This podcast is for those making bold moves to reverse global warming. We are the determined ones, solving humanity's gnarliest challenges. It's a podcast on climate action, the determined mindset, and how standing out helps you make a meaningful impact. Hey, uh, so today we have Mike Morrison on the line. Hello. Yes. Mike's a PhD student in work psychology. He's calling from Tampa Bay, correct? Close enough. Yeah, Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. I don't even know that's close to Tampa Bay. I've been here for two days. Way by miles. Some Floridians are really hate me. Like, of course. Awesome. Great, great. So yeah, uh, this uh, interview has been in the works for about a month and a half or so, so we finally uh, got time today. Um, I discovered Mike from a link from a link on Twitter, I think, and I think my first exposure uh, was your interview on NPR about redesigning science posters. So maybe just uh, really quick, give um, our listeners a little bit of background about who you are and then um, some background around the, uh, the science poster project that you were that you started sure yeah so I'm a PhD student in work psychology which is like research psychology um, like how people think and be and behave at work um, and I was a user experience designer for 10 years before starting my PhD um, and the poster thing is that like every field in science like communicates tens of thousands of new findings to each other through this same old poster template so they have these poster sessions where they put their findings up on big posters and try to like teach each other the findings and because everybody uses the same template in science and has for decades, um, if we can improve the efficiency of that common template at transferring knowledge, even by a little bit, since everyone uses it across science, it can have these massive ripple effects on discovery and on learning between scientists and on sharing science with the world. So that was the goal, is, is try to create a, a, a default template for a scientific poster that was better than the default we were using before. And so what I did was I, I created a template that I, I thought you uh, applied more user experience design principles that, that can communicate the main finding of the study in about 10 seconds and then has, it looks kind of like a widescreen TV with uh, speakers on the side. So in the middle of like, the TV area, you have like, the main finding of the study in plain English um, because jargon takes longer to process. And then you have a sidebar with about a minute of extra detail on the methods and the background of the study. And then if you need it, you have like a cheat sheet bar by where the poster presenter is standing so they can point to things and people will talk to them about their study if they, if they have that for comfort. And then you have a QR code on the poster that you can scan with your phone and get the whole paper if you really want a ton of more detail on a poster. Um, and so that kind of exploded um, across science. And then I became, I became science's poster boy. Yeah, like if you, if you Google Mike Morrison... The next word that Google auto suggests is poster. <laughs> <laughs> That's my legacy. Which is pretty brilliant because I think the other Mike Morrison is a sports player. Yeah. yeah. Like I got lucky with that because like I was like I'm glad there was another like a famous Mike Morrison because like that gave me a lot of like anonymity for a while. I was like, well, I'm never gonna do anything that like is playing as a, a sports guy. But, but now the first result on Google is you. Wait, did I beat the baseball player? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Nice. So yeah, Mark sent the um, NPR article to me and I listened to it and I was like, holy crap, this is so cool waiting to talk to this guy because for you know us, we're talking um, about design with scientists and we're having this whole conversation where to scientists, design is just not part of the conversation. It's not relevant. It's this whole other thing that's over there. It doesn't matter. It's just making things pretty, right? Decoration, yeah. Yeah, and so I think what I was really blown away by was that you managed to communicate the importance of design 
to you know furthering science and getting people, uh, getting scientists to share their information in a more effective way. I'm glad it worked, and I, I think I, I kind of like that it worked in a YouTube cartoon, you know, like instead of a scientific journal article, because that means like at some point in the future, some prestigious like like scientist is going to have to write this very serious or serious article and cite a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but I think it was the right format. You know, I wanted to uh, I wanted to do something that got to every field because every field uses posters in the same most recently. And so, if I publish in my journals, in psychology journals, it'll only people only read stuff in their own field. So it, because science is so poorly distributed, so it wouldn't have gotten to every field. So the YouTube video was very shareable, and um, I think I want to publish everything in YouTube videos now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how long was the video? Just talk about that for a second. 20 minutes, which was, that was a little controversial. But I feel like, you know, would you rather watch, you know, hopefully it was an engaging 20 minutes or reasonably engaging. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful story where you go deeply in depth into building empathy with somebody going to a science mm -hmm. poster event, um, as well as the scientist, you know, creating the poster mm -hmm. and like what their hopes and dreams are and then what the actual experience is. And so like, as a viewer, you know, I've never been to one of those science poster events. I learned so much mm -hmm. about both sides of what they're dealing with. Um, and so it's oh, nice. yeah. yes, that's step one of user experience design, right? Is that empathy? I exactly. To. Yeah. So I'm also an ex user experience designer. So, um, I'm really excited to hear that, uh, some of the principles that we've been trained in are now making their way into the science field. I'm glad I did them justice. That's actually like been what I've, I've wanted to hear more from other UX people, you know, because like, like did I did I do it justice? Did I use the right principles right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I watched the whole thing. I thought it was entertaining and, and I read some of the comments about it was too long. But no, I, I feel like the video really did what Sarah was saying, capture the empathy of the visitor going to these events, the scientist behind the table. Uh, and then he just like perfectly got into, you know, what an ideal state would be if, if they did design a better poster. Um, and so, yeah, picking up what Sarah mentioned about just um, you know, the work that we're doing with design and messaging. Love to get your take on why it's important for scientists to create better messaging and even design that resonates with the everyday person, the people that are, you know, outside of their own industry, but um, those that are, you know, just people that we interact with on day to day. Why is it important to have better messaging and, and design in this space? So I think a couple of things. One, like, if you create something that works for the everyday person, it's it's usually like a scientist and expert's gonna be able to understand it too, right? But if you create something for an expert, first of all, the expert's not gonna understand it as well as you think as you think you will. And second, like it's, it's gonna advantage you know the other audience. But I think there's research on how even experts prefer plain language. Everybody wants to be talked to like a human. Even people in that subfield still like when you'll watch these the esteemed scientists and they'll look at a model right in their field or some complicated theory and you'll see them do this like okay so that means that when I'm in a bad mood this happened you know they'll translate it in their sure. head out loud or out loud right so everybody does that so if you do that for them you'll actually communicate your ideas to colleagues and to everyone else better and faster um, you're reducing that cognitive load of having to pre-translate you did they're having to translate you just do it for them and as for the why piece I think that you know there is there's some career orientation in science. You get in, you just want to publish papers, get tenure, get your job, whatever, make your money, and like get the approval of that big scientist, right? See, like get get the prestige and the status. Like, and I felt that way too my first year of grad school. I wanted, I was like, oh man, like if only like a big big you know legendary professor can tell me I did a good job, and my life would be complete or whatever. And like, there's that drive, and for that drive, that leads you to like conform and speak in jargon and try to be complicated and try to sound smart, right? 
but like the other drive is like the difference you wanted to make in the problem, right? Like that that, that change you wanted to see in the world that you wanted to, that, that pushes you to choose your scientific topic. And if you have that drive and if you embrace that drive to really see change with what you're researching, then you it's it's on you to, to communicate it. Then then you start needing to find ways to get it out wider, to get more than the seven people who are gonna read a journal article, to get a bigger audience than just the fifteen people that show up for a session, right? You want if you believe in your science, you need you want to get it out because you want to see the change. And I think finally, when you do see that change, when you do see that impact, it motivates you to do it even more. And mm -hmm. I think what I'd love to see in science is to get scientists to a point where they feel confident enough communicating that they do do it well once because that's all it takes once they once they they see that reaction of doing science communication well it just it just ignites that drive to get a bigger audience like i've, I've seen people who were insecure about their scientific presentations get better and get a good response and then they're like how do i get this on youtube how do i you know like <laughs> once they get the good feedback right, right. so i think that's that's the goal is really if we can make scientists more confident in sharing their science, we, we can make them what they should be doing is like just disseminating to the whole world and wanting to and enjoying it and, and getting more fame and status and all that from it too, which is the other thing that right. careers, you know, I mean, like you're going to get a better job, I think, if, if you establish yourself in that space and to do that well, you've got to be a really compelling like advocate for your topic. That was long-winded, yeah. yeah, no, that's great. Like, we want to talk to the scientists who are, you know, fall into the latter category, like, really care about making an impact and making a change in the world, and specifically scientists that are working on climate change issues. So, you know, making that change in the world, making that impact is really, really important, and they need to be really, really passionate about it. And, you know, the, the Determined wants to make those scientists super famous, you know, like, they're... Yeah. Make them the rock stars. Make them they all, And they are. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, coming from the outside world into a PhD, these people are amazing yeah. in science, right? These are just brilliant, incredible, passionate people that no one knows about. Right. And like, and when they do talk, everyone's like, well, he's alien smart, smart old scientist or whatever. And like, they need more, they deserve more than that. These people are, you know, really doing groundbreaking stuff. And they, if people knew what they were doing, they would be, they would be celebrities. Well, and I think that's, that's the thing that we're kind of at this really interesting stage right now where, Finally, the general public is becoming more and more aware of it. You know, we're kind of past the climate denial stuff, finally. And every day, people are talking more about it in terms of how it's affecting their personal lives. Just and climate change in general. Yeah, climate change in, in general. And so they're having more and more conversations, which is awesome. But can you imagine the, the quality of conversations and the depth of these conversations if the scientists and these people that are doing really important work were able to talk to these people in that at that level so that, you know, the grandma in Kansas, the plumber in Buffalo, the hairstylist in LA can take what they are doing and, and, and talk to their friends about this and have more in-depth, rich conversations with as many people as possible. Because the more people that talk about the solutions and approaches that people are working on, the more support that we can, we can generate. And that would be an amazing thing. Yes. No, it's, that sounds wonderful. And I, I think like that's, yeah, that's the dream, right? And I think if you had pundits that weren't, if they could go directly to the source, right? And people felt like more of a connection to science. Right now, I think they think science is just like this alien world full of super brain nerds that like release things that may or may not be good or whatever. Um, but if they, if they could see the people behind the science and talk and, and feel like they're talking to them or, you know, like engage with them the way they feel like a personal connection to Brett Pitt or whatever, you know, um, like it would change everything. And, and I mean, even in psychology, we talk about how, like, if you want to change an attitude, you have to change the people 
you have to change the reference, the person, like who you're thinking of when you're you're drawing that attitude from, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, well, well, like Sean Hannity would say like this about that or whatever, you know, whatever, you know, like you have mm-hmm. to change that, the person you're referring to in your mind um, as your hero or your, your mental mentor or something like that. Um, and if you could change that to actual scientists, whatever they said would probably, you would get that perspective of science more than anyone finding you would get that that sort of orientation and i think the final example you guys uh, know i think there's jim bernstein he's uh i think he was a trump appointee that was going to take over at nasa or something like that oh, right, um right. and like he was a climate i think it was the controversy was as a climate change denier and then got appointed to being the leadership of nasa and i remember thinking like i said like a google alert i was like he's gonna change his tune because when and he did right he came around and i think it's inevitable when you're in that culture of scientists, right? And you're 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 not just like talking about them from a distance. You're ta- you're interacting with them every day. You're having coffee with them. You're talking about it over drinks, and you're you're listing your objections. And you have people, and this happens when you're in science. You'll say something that's your just stupid opinion, right? I'll be like, oh, I just think this about that. And the person you're sitting across from has dedicated ten years of life to studying that exact question. Has read everything that's ever been written on it. And you just had a steamy opinion, right? And so yeah. like, they talk about it at such a deeper level and you grow to respect the kind of effort and work that goes into these scientific findings and you listen more and you get changed. And I think if people, yeah, so if people could get that more, it would change everything. I totally agree. I'm glad you guys are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like we um, noticed that there is sort of a lack of desire to talk about climate change in general, like in the general public. Um, Why do you think it is? Well, to one person's point, one of the podcasts I was listening to the other day said climate change is a real ratings killer. Yeah. And it's just because it's, <laughs> it's a downer, you know? It's like, yeah. yeah, all you ever hear about is the doom and gloom and all the horrible things that are happening. And it's like outside of your sphere of control, there's nothing you can really do about it. So you feel helpless. And so people just choose to not talk about it. But if, you know, we start amplifying the solutions that people are coming up with, that actually can make a difference. You know, the new technologies and innovations that are coming around as far as removing carbon from the air or, you know, making the oceans a little bit healthier. Um, There's a lot of things that we can start turning up the volume on and making sure that people know about. And then they start talking about it as if it's uh, not this like horrible downer, it's this exciting new thing that's coming out. You see like the carbon scraper boat or whatever. Yeah, that's um, or, or even just that. or even just you know if if these news programs instead of that one unnecessary Kardashian story like use those two and a half minutes to talk about an amazing solution that a team of of scientists and inventors in some you know some state some country that are developing that is tackling this issue right and get that on the on the airwaves and get people excited about that and then have you know, have a call to action to spread the word, donate, support, whatever. I mean, how amazing would that be? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Those are the real heroes, right? Right, exactly. And, like, it would be incredible. Yeah, and, and some of the stories, those people working on that are so cool. Um, and you could you could sensationalize them, and they should. Yeah. I think, and I mean, that human side of science, too. I don't know if you guys remember, like, the... the the discovery of the black hole image, like the computer right. scientists discovered what the black hole looks like. And like the image of her, like what'd you see? It wasn't like some like like oh like 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 weathered scientist in his lab coat, you know, it was just like this girl who looks like she could be one of your friends mm-hmm. sitting by a laptop being like, check this out, I got a picture of a black hole. Right? <laughs> like, that's if you're inside science, you know that's how all of us are. 
right? right. Like everyone is right. like, just people who are nerdy about something, right? And like the more the public gets an image of like bad science, I think the more they'll listen and the more they'll think maybe I could do something too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm like, I have this sort of mission to take science projects, science innovations, and treat them the same way that maybe a Silicon Valley startup would treat. Mm -hmm. um, That's great. What they're doing, you know, like with the hashtags and all of the social media and stuff that we have at our disposal. Um, maybe we throw a party and you know, sure. all crazy. Yeah. celebrity endorsements. Like just, yeah, why not? They, we feel like they, they need to be celebrated at that same level, if not more than, than your typical celebrity who's just why they're famous. I have no idea, but, um, but yeah, we feel like we need to put emphasis on these people because they're doing the hard work and the philosophy that we always share with our, our, our clients and our, the people that we talk to, you know, if the work that these scientists and researchers and inventors and people that are really coming up with these amazing solutions and approaches, if their work fails because of, um, bad messaging or not the best branding or no marketing tactics. If their work fails, we all fail because the work that they're doing is affecting all of us, no That's matter exactly right. whether we like it or exactly. Lives. Right. Like, like diseases and everything you care about, mm -hmm. you know, science can fix and like, yeah, it really it is. It's, it's life or death. And like, um, and I think the design part and the messaging part is so much more critical than, I mean, people in science talk about it, right? And they're just like this general frustration. We've got to get our, you know, our message out more and that kind of thing. But like scientists don't do that. And like you guys do, right? Um, and like we need, we need people who are professionals at that to come in and like show us how to do it because it's your bread and butter and we're brand new. Um, and like I think you guys, we probably both have sort of, our work cut out for us to undo some of their, to, to train the alternate mentality of like super detailed and jargon and things like that and mm. help scientists switch modes kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's a like definite we, I really, switch. I want to engage more of like the whole design and UX community for all of these problems because it's, it's, it's really, it's half of it, you know, um, and it's a half science doesn't have. Yeah. But every company does. I, I think, you know, that's what's really fascinating about what you've done with this poster thing is bridging that gap between, you know, these industries that to each other seem really closed and foreign, you know, and to me as a designer, the science industry can feel really closed and, you know, like there's no inroad in, I don't know how to get my hands on a scientific journal or, you know, like if I have to go into that world, it feels really laborious and difficult. And I it feels sure. that way from the inside too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they feel the same way about design. If they even wanted to get into that world, it feels laborious and difficult and just foreign. That's true. Absolutely. No, 100%. Yeah. It's like they, they don't even know where to start, you know, yeah. and it's a completely different kind of thinking and where to, yeah, no, totally. I think, it's, I think the inroads are very important. And I have found that like, um, with the video, I've noticed that science is a much smaller community than I realized and a much more supportive one. Like the video, what it would do is it would hit a field and then go viral in that field and oh. then hit a different field and go viral in that field, right? Mm. And like really, the, everyone could relate, I think. And so it, that means we all have the same problems, right? So I mm -hmm. think... I love. I think one day after after you fix global warming, like you can take this to really any audience you want. I think the same principle will, will work in science, but that um, and they'll be pretty receptive to it. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 a real it's a real challenge right now, but I think it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. People don't realize how powerful design is. I mean, like like if you're listening out there, like whatever you care about is being slowed down right now. Like the the cure for disease your friend has, you know, um, like maybe solving world hunger getting or exploring the universe, whatever you want science to do, it's slow right now. 
it's slow for very, very dumb reasons because all these interfaces the scientists are working in, they're working very hard, but the interfaces they're working in are so old and outdated and badly designed. And when you, like, if you think about when you're working during the day and you, whatever interface you deal with most, like your email or like, um, you know, some machine or something, if that breaks, it cripples your whole work day, right? If your internet connection starts going slow, you can't work. Well, scientists right now are effectively working with slow internet all the time. And those cures for diseases and those, those solutions to global warming, all those things are being delayed because of it. And so designers have the skill to come in and smooth out those inefficiencies and get them to their goals faster and help them be more productive. And that can save the entire world. That can literally advance human progress faster by very small design changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm. Like where you really go is it's about advancing the human race. Of course. That's, that's what science is, you know, like if you, if you, if you were, that's the good news to me is like very small improvements in the system of science can just improve the efficiency of the whole human race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've been working on the poster thing as you're in road to this um, design, you know, science needs design and what, you know, how long have you been working on that? Um, let's see. I mean, I guess uh, probably a year. It took about about a year to do the first the first version of the video. Yeah. Um, and then now it's been five months or so of the fallout's not the right word, but like the explosion, <laughs> the viral explosion, <laughs> the continuing mushroom cloud from that video. Um, and then um, I'm working on the second video now. That really, what I want to do the second one. I think like this. Teach more of those principles. Say like, look hate my layout that's cool don't even use it but like here are the principles behind it here's the theory behind it um which you should like as scientists here's the design stuff and you can take these into any poster design any presentation design reports those kind of things um so something like interaction cost right like if something looks like it's going to cost you a lot of energy to use you think real hard before you even engage with it right um like even just that concept can apply to everything. So I'm trying to improve the, the initial poster concept with some user feedback and also sort of introduce these user, user experience design principles and explain user experience design to scientists just what it is, right? Because people think it's graphic design, which is not the same thing, right? Yeah. So that's next. And then um, hopefully hopefully I'll let someone else take the, take the poster torch and I'll go to that. I want to do presentations next and maybe... Um, similar other stuff i'd love to eventually get to the social issues that you guys are attacking because that's that's the big game for design right it's like if you can take like a big social problem and fix it faster with design that that's what i'd love to get to eventually very cool so you know if somebody wants to know what when the next thing that you put out um is it you know do they follow you on youtube or where's the best place for them to keep twitter absolutely you can subscribe on youtube that'll get you at first probably but um yeah twitter at mike morrison and i'll probably release the sequel to the better poster video um hopefully by the end of the summer it's probably going to be like winter break but like sometime in the next one to six months well also then, finishing your cool. phd <laughs> amazing yeah i still gotta do a phd here <laughs> <laughs> and then presentations the video on presentations definitely before um april which is going to be like the conference season starting so great awesome i love the work you're doing yeah mike thanks for uh think of the time and and keep doing the great work that you're doing you guys too. It sounds great. I'm really great, great to meet you guys. I'll keep following you guys too. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate right. it. See you guys. Bye. If you're one of the bold rebels doing work that addresses our climate crisis, we can help you set yourself apart and amplify your climate impact. You can learn more about us at thedetermined.co. Thanks for listening. Oh, and thanks to Ian from Fugazi for permission to use this song. If you know anyone who might enjoy this podcast, feel free to share. Right.